Hello and welcome to this West London Sport QPR podcast. I'm Dan Bennett and I'm joined by my West London Sport colleague, Ian McCullough. Now, as you've already discovered, because you're listening to this, this podcast is now available to listen to on streaming platforms. Up until now, obviously, this has just been a YouTube podcast series, but we've had quite a few people ask if they're able to listen to it elsewhere. And now you can. Um, so if you have been a regular listener or you're just finding this even for the first time, do follow our podcast feed wherever you're listening, wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. And you'll be notified when there's a new episode. Uh, so another thing to add is obviously we'll, we will still be posting video content from the podcast. We just won't be posting the full episodes to YouTube as we were before. But they will be available, as I said, on all the streaming platforms. Um, so right, let's crack on, Ian. Um, thank you for joining me this early in the morning, 9am, after your late night out at Charlton. Um, I mean, obviously, me and you are going to have to do some heavy lifting today as well. No Kev Gallon, he's still away in... Uh, in Italy, so I had his extended summer holiday break in uh, in Italy, so it's just us two today. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, last night at Charlton ultimately ended in a penalty shootout defeat for QPR as they were eliminated from the Carabao Cup. I mean, Mick Beale said he wasn't going to make many changes after the Middlesbrough game for the for the Charlton game. Um, there was a few, wasn't there? Obviously, we saw the likes of Nico Hamalainen, Andre Dizel, George Thomas, Albert Adoma, Macaulay Bond as well coming in, and it all looked good after Tyler Roberts scored that stunner to put Rangers 1-0 up late on. But Aaron Henry, who was actually on loan at Willstone last year, which is obviously another one of our um, clubs, scored a great goal to, to equalise it. And that said, obviously, Johansson's missed penalty ended up uh, causing him to be eliminated from the from the Carabao Cup. Um, so, I mean, what, what were your kind of main takeaways from this one? What, what did we kind of learn from this, do you think? Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a kind of strange sort of night because the ground was three quarters empty and uh, it was you know, excellent QPR turnout. It was almost half the crowd was QPR. Um, it was playing the sort of weird, sort of eerie kind of atmosphere at times. And um, neither side really liked scoring until the last half hour. And then Sinclair Armstrong, Tyler Robertson, um, I mean, it come on for QPR and sort of up the ante a bit, a bit of pace, a bit of movement that hadn't previously been there. And uh, Tyler Roberts scored a wonderful goal, really. Really great finish, and um, you know Sinclair Arson proving that some of the hype may be justified. He looked really good when he came on, um, and it looked like they're, they're closing out for the victory quite quite handily. And then you know moved down the right, can see the corner. The corner's well clear. You've done everything you're supposed to do. Good strong header out, and the guys picked up into the box first time and stuck it in the top corner. And you say, hmm. what do you do? What can you do? It's they've lost two games now, thanks to two blokes scoring from twenty-five yards. And you know, I don't think he'll do if he tried that twenty times, he might not do it again. But you know, fair credit to him, it was a, a fantastic finish. And then you got the lottery for penalty shootout where you know Stefan Johansson missed and Charlton scored all their penalties, and that's you're out. He was really critical of, of the team. Um I thought a little bit harsh, but there were certain players that simply didn't play well last night. There's no, there's no, there's not like any bones about it. Um, no. And if what Bill was saying after the game that, you know, uh, Kenneth Powell, um, Chris Willock and Luke Amos, who weren't involved last night, um, you know, are injured and unavailable for Saturday, then it does sort of ask some, some questions, particularly in the left back position where um, <clears throat> Nick Hamalainen quite frankly, it was terrible last night. Um, 
I think you can have someone that plays well or plays bad, but when you have a player that makes no attempt really to want the ball, goes missing, takes the easy option, and you compare him to the guy who's playing right back who gets plenty of stick from various quarters on Twitter and <clears throat> message boards, etc. Ozzy Kakai, who whose attitude is fantastic. You know, he gives everything, he gets forward, it doesn't always come off, but he never goes missing. And he got taken off with 20 minutes ago last night, and it was, it was really good to see that he, he got a standard ovation from the away from the away fans. Just yeah, he's done well so far, hasn't he? I mean, there was obviously a bit of concern coming into the season about him, I think, but yeah. I think he's alleviated some of those. You can see a player there that's given everything he can to the cause, and you can't really ask for much more than that. And on the other flank, you've got a guy who doesn't want the ball. And Bill said in, in, yesterday, when he was asked about it, that he's a player that looks better in training than he does in matches. And you have to ask questions now. I mean, really, he's not good enough to be playing in. He shouldn't be in this squad. And he was given a long contract two years ago. Um, I mean, he's had more bad loans than Boris Becker. And he's, he, you know, he's back. <laughs> he's back again. And the reality is that QPR squad albeit they kept all their big names, it's not better than it was last year. The depth isn't there. And, you know, you have to ask questions about when Moses or the Badger was a player that could play left and right back. Um, Joanne Barbe could play left back if he wanted to, but the lack yeah. of options behind Kenneth Powell on that left side <clears throat> were a concern. But if he's not playing Saturday, then that's a massive problem because, you know, if Nico Hamalainen isn't doing it, at, you know, a three-quarters empty valley, What's he going to be like in front of a full house at Sunderland Light? Yeah, Stadium of Light, sorry. So mm. I don't know what they're going to do there, but it's in a, in a system that wants to play with the fullback is so important getting forward and up the field. Um, I mean, you've seen Hamelan last night, he just wasn't crossing our halfway line. And it's making the players around him and do things they should be doing. Well, Macaulay Bond was a central striker. He's having to pick up positions out on the left and screaming at the, to the fullback, oh, you should be in that position, you should be there. He doesn't want the ball. And it's... Yeah, Mick Bill was, you know, as I say, like, managers don't hang players out to dry. He didn't hang him out to dry, but he didn't, you know, exactly... wasn't a ringing endorsement for what he has available to him in that position. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Mark Warburton didn't fancy him. Managers before that haven't really fancied him. And he's 24 now. He's not a young player anymore. And um, it's a problem. It's a real problem, that position. Mm. Well, like you say, Mick Beal was pretty, um, yeah, I mean, he, he was probably a little bit more frustrated than maybe we expected. And um, let's just hear what, some of what he had to say uh, last night uh, in the podcast now. Well, Mick, it was a really entertaining cup tie. Just came out the other side of it in the end. Uh, the best team on the night went through. I think Ben and his team were better than us, uh, especially in the first half. I thought we... We were decent enough second half, but I'm a little bit old-fashioned. Tonight's a London derby. We brought 3,000 fans here tonight. And um, and I think they're a little bit old-fashioned as well. I think they wanted to see some more from the team. So I'm not going to point fingers at any of the players because collectively we weren't good enough on the front of that. And uh, I'm really, really disappointed tonight because you, know, you, you talk about giving people opportunity and a chance to play and shine, and I think one or two missed that opportunity this evening. 
I thought obviously Tyler come on, he scored a very, very good goal. It looked like it was going to be the one big moment of quality. Um, but they scored a fantastic goal themselves, very similar to the goal we conceded away at Blackburn. So there's a, a second phase off a set play. So no complaints. I thought that Cholton for large parts of the first half looked a level above us this evening and that's on me. Is there a kind of like a depth of left back beyond Kenneth? Is that something you might have to address? There's not a lack of depth in terms of numbers because Nico played tonight. He's a he's a player that's been at the club a long time. He's an international. He's played in big games, and he's been waiting for his opportunity. So, if I say there's a lack of um, strength or a lack of um, options there, then we're we're just going to dispel him, and, and he don't want me to do that. Obviously, I think. He trains at a higher level than what he showed this evening. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in the spirit of fairness, I suppose it wasn't all Nico Hamelainen's fault. You know, he was obviously one of the players that you can held responsible for it. But ultimately, like Mick Beale said, after he didn't feel like his side really did enough and the child won probably good value for their win. But like I say, is this just a kind of, like I said, he did make a few changes. There was a few first teamers in there as well, you know, who normally start. But is this just was this just kind of a reminder of the fact that this squad is still a little way off being completed and the, the strength in depth isn't still quite there yet. It's something we've touched on previously, I know, but is that, was this kind of a reminder of that? A little bit, but at the same time, you know, the three boats that come off the bench made a massive difference. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Roberts is obviously going to be a, playing in the first team when he comes on, but I thought Shadipo did well when he came on. I thought, um, you know, as I say, Armstrong looked really good when he came on. He just is so enthusiastic and strong and powerful and, Unlike Bond, when he was there, you know, he, he was just picking up the left channel and just making work, making chances for himself. And, you know, the goal for, for Roberts was essentially set up by Armstrong, but just... You're on the hype train now, then. You're on the oh, yeah, bit, the train. You know, but just the kind of the harrying and the bullying of the centre-back forced him into the error. And, you know, that gave Roberts the, the chance to pick his spot and put it in the top corner. And he's 19 and he's so enthusiastic. You know, he's raw. He's really raw, but... You know, if you bring him on as a as a fifty five minute sub now, I think you know he's a, he's definitely got to be an option. You've got to kind of see him as a squad member now. Um, mm. But yeah, I think it's just <laughs> the depth of the squad. I mean, I've got to say, I didn't think Dizel played that badly last night. I mean, I know he, we've been critical on him before. I thought he did okay. Well, Thomas had a few moments where he picked the ball up and you know made good runs. It just, it just. It's hard to explain. It just, they just, it was flat. It was flat, and they didn't. I mean, I mean, I tell you, who is struggling? Chair's struggling. Mm. He didn't. He looked a bit off the pace against Middlesbrough at the weekend. I mean, last night he didn't. Really... Yeah, I know he um he had his first kid yeah. the other week, and he wasn't training much. So I wonder if maybe that had something to do with it. I don't think he trained to like yeah. the Friday or something. So I mean, that's a, a fact about you, right? I don't think he's quite. He's not hit the ground running yet, but I think. You know, there's still plenty of time ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the thing is, as well, like, there's a lot of doom and gloom around. It's three games in the season. Do you know what I mean? It's if anything, last season taught us don't get too up about what happens between August and January. Wait until March. You know, and that's people want people want to cling on to things and look at it and be excited about stuff. And I think there was things to be excited about last night. I think you know, Roberts. In the same team as Chris Willock will be, you know, a handful for most teams in this in this in this division. Yeah, um, I mean, I was talking about the kind of lack of depth there. I was thinking mainly in 
defensively positions, to be honest, where I still think, like you said, they're lacking a little yeah. bit. But when you look at the forward area, there's probably more, well, there is more depth there than last year because mm. when Willock got injured, there wasn't really anyone to come in and, yeah. you know, it was like George Thomas coming in, really, wasn't it? And no, no disrespect to George yeah. Thomas, but he didn't quite do it. Whereas now you've got Tyler Roberts coming in and I suppose like the, the, the big thing is, is like worrying thing is, and McBeal as well touched on it in his interview after is, I don't know if there is genuinely something, a reason for all these injuries, but it's already stacking up again. What is it, like five? Jake Clark, Salt was out. Taylor Richard's going to be out for a couple of months. You know, like you said there, no Kenneth Powell, Luke Amos or Chris Willick tonight, uh, last night, sorry. Mick Beal said that they are not going to be available for the weekend either. I mean, it's a concern, isn't it? Because for whatever reason, just play, key players just can't seem to stay fit. And it was a, probably the biggest factor, well, it was the biggest factor in derailing last season. So... I think he said after as well, he's trying to put his finger on what it is. If it is something or whether it's just bad luck, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, they, what's that, that line they say? The best ability is availability. And the reality is that Clark Salter has a, something of a checkered injury past. Well, Taylor Richards as well missed the whole... Taylor, Taylor Richards. And Birmingham got, last year. And... I mean, the bloke got, got injured jumping off a box in his medical at Birmingham. I mean, you can't, yeah. get, more, you can't get more bad luck than that. And then... It's the same with um, um, trying to Tyler Roberts. Uh, Tyler Roberts. So, sorry, yeah. and Tyler, Tyler Roberts. Richard, the, um, Tyler Roberts getting confused. He's another again. player that kind of is a, a thing of it. But that's, that's the market you're dealing with. If, if you you know you're trying to work on a budget to get good players in, do you have to take a chance on players that perhaps haven't had? You know, they are slightly checkered because of their injury past. Mm. You have to live with that, and you had a player in on Joanne uh, Barbe who played every game pretty much for two years. You taking the option to let him go, and you had an option to sign Moses or the Badger. You didn't couldn't agree on a, a deal with the player to to stay on, and he could play left back and right back. I'm not saying that Moses or the Badger is the best fullback keeper you ever had, but he gave you kind of options and cover just to fill a spot. Mm. Because you know what they have behind. Well, there's no one behind Kakai at the moment. He is the only right back at the club. Um, and behind Powell, you know, the options are very limited. There isn't really, there isn't anyone. There isn't anyone else at the club by Nico Hammerlein that can play left back. Yeah. Which is, you know, staggering, really. Mm. And we'll come on to that a little bit more uh, shortly about the kind of where they're looking to strengthen. And there's been a little bit of a development in the right back spot. But like you say, I suppose... Three games so far, two of them pretty flat and one of them completely the opposite. Really good. Uh, obviously, McBeal got his first win as QPR manager on Saturday, beating Middlesbrough 3-2. Um, you know, it wasn't as straightforward, never is with QPR. But I mean, for about, I thought for about 30, 40 minutes, it was probably as good as I've seen a QPR team play since I've been covering them, which was Mark Warburton's first year in charge of the club. I thought they were excellent. Um you know, intensity and aggression. I thought they played with, um, you know, they, they really went after Middlesbrough in those first 30 or 40 minutes and Middlesbrough could not get near them. I mean, I was expecting quite big things from them. I, you know, I think most people fancy them to be one of the sides that will be up there this season um, with the width they've got a wing back with Isaiah Jones and Ryan Giles. But they, they just, I think it was them being poor as well, to be fair. But QPR were excellent. I mean, Middlesbrough making mistake after mistake, being forced into errors by QPR. I thought Luke Amos from midfield was really good you know him springing the kind of press and nicking the ball and launching attacks I think like he kind of showed like what his role can be in this QPR team because I think he is a really mm. useful player he's still got some areas to work on but 
those kind of runs from midfield, whether it's nicking the ball or whether it's popping up in the box or, you know, racing through on goal, he, he sort of seems to go like, untracked. People don't pick him up and he kind of springs forward. And I think that could be a really valuable tool for QPR this year. I mean, you know, sort of Stephanie Hansen played really well in that kind of new role he's got as well. Sam Field alongside him as well played really well. And there was a, lot, a real, you know, lot to be positive about 3-0 up after half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever it was. And then obviously they got it back to 3-2 and it was nervous for about 40 minutes. But, you know, I think we've got kind of got to look at it. Like I say, I think Beal touched on it after. It, this is That's one of the better teams in the championship, I think, despite what Chris Wilder said after <laughs> trying to play it down that they weren't. But I think that's a really good win and huge positive to take from that and really encouraging. Um, and obviously I can't talk about the game and not mention Chris Willock. I mean, absolutely ridiculous what he did. 13 minutes into the game. He's not played since March, hasn't had a pre-season, picks the ball up inside his own half, beats what two or three people, shrugs off the challenge and then finds the top corner. I mean, just to do that after being out for months, I think is absolutely brilliant. It shows how, how good a player he is and I think it shows how much they missed him last year. I mean, Ian, we didn't really need, need a reminder of how much QPR missed him, did we? But he certainly gave you one last year and it's just kind of, like I said, a reminder of how important he is to this QPR team. Absolutely. I mean, what a goal. I mean, what a day, actually. It was a brilliant day. It was, it was um, <clears throat> when the ground that Loftus Rose is full and, you know, the sun's out and the good crowd, good away turnout. There's it, fewer better places to watch football. And it, it was a, you know, 100 miles an hour. The intensity of the, you know, the match was, you know, you, you I mean, as I say about pre season, you can't replicate anything from that match in pre season. It's, it, it's, it was so full on in terms of, the speed of the game, the tackles, everything about it is a fantastic, fantastic game. And the yeah, Rangers were really good, I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, again, there's this new set piece coach, this new set piece coach has got a few things to work on. Um, you know, you're three, you're three new up at half time, that game's done. They scored just for half time, that was always going to be give them a little uh, atta- attacking, attacking set pieces seems to be all right. Obviously, two goals for him, yeah, maybe def- yeah. defended. It's you know, positives and negatives. Um, so yeah, it's really good. I thought, you know, Willis goal was, I mean, what, what a player he is. Um, you know, when people sort of wrote off the, you know, the importance of him to the side when the, the team fell apart, when he wasn't in it last year, but I think he was there for all to see. He just adds a dimension to that team and the players around him lift when he's there because I know he can. He just seems to link the attack midfield um, and attack. Like there's, yeah. when, when he doesn't play, there doesn't seem to be that option there yeah. someone to drive forward and create and like chair does it but obviously like he's kind of been a little bit inconsistent but with yeah. it you just always know he's gonna do that yeah and i thought amos as you touched on was was very good as well i mean i like amos as a player i think um you know, those are those sort of runs into the box from midfield you're priceless you can't that threat you know it takes the midfielder has to run with you so it's creating more space for the the likes of your hansen to kind of you know, pass the ball around. Um, I thought, I mean, your hands, it's, it's funny how you, you view a game. Um, I wasn't working Saturday. I was sat in the upper loft and you see a very different vantage point from the game. And when we were sitting, we, we thought the guys I sat with that Johansson was getting overrun a little bit in the middle of the park. And Oh, really? Well, yeah, something that, um, that. I looked, the and then, and then I come out. Luis touched on that, didn't he, about he was a bit worried that yeah. he might not have the legs to play in that position. I thought he, um, I thought he was good, to be honest. And then um, speaking to like sort of three or four people, 
afterwards who sit in Ellesley Road, uh, sorry, Stan Bowl stand and um, Zafka Road stand. They sort of had a completely different viewpoint of it and thought he was excellent. I didn't think he was bad and I thought he helped close the game out really well. Um, but yeah, he was good. He was good. But I, st- I still think there were some worrying signs there. They were getting through in midfield quite comfortably at times, far when they could. And they were sitting very deep, QBR, very deep. And yeah, he said that as well after, like, yeah, and you can see that. I mean, it's very Mark Warburton when he was here as manager. I don't remember in those lockdown times when there was no one in the ground. To the ball, we could hear Mark Warburton shouting, Go to the ball, up to the ball, get up to the ball, (laughs) get out to the ball, get out to the ball. Um, and they certainly weren't doing that, they were just sitting deeper and deeper and inviting them on. Um, you know, and then the whole taking the ball into the corner now. Me personally, I despise that tactic. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> you know, I, I just think it doesn't, it never works. It doesn't work. You take the ball in the corner and you just, uh, I know Warburton was, would never let his teams do that. So it's kind of interesting the change of mentality, maybe from the manager, from Beale, who sort of, you know, wants them to do that. So I don't know. It's, but they, they closed the game out well. And it, it was a great day, the whole Chloe Kelly thing and the Stan Bowles. Yeah, that was a really good day for the club. Wasn't and, it? You know, I've got a lot of time for Middlesbrough as a club. You know, very well, good fans, well supported. It was a good noise, a good game. It was a really good game. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, and and you have to look at it and say, from the new manager, it's three games in. Players aren't available at the minute, and whether that's down to sports science or bad luck or whatever, but it's three games in and. I don't think anyone should be getting two up or two down at this early stage in the season. Because if last season taught us anything, you know, this time last year after Rangers won at Middlesbrough and Hull, they, you know, they were going to be in the top two, never mind the top top six. So mm. I've just, you know, those people are ready to jump off the cliff. I would, I would kind of urge a bit of caution, and it's it's early days. Yeah, I think he like said this. I think it might take a little bit of time. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of inconsistency just mm. because of like the injury problems that they've had so far already. Players coming in and out, and you know, Beal kind of trying to get his messages across. And like I said, there has been some quite noticeable changes. Obviously, I think the change in system to a four at the back being the biggest one that's changed. But you know, after having Mark Warburton in charge for three years and it's a lot of the same players that were there last year, I think it is going to take a little bit of time for them to fully adapt. But like I said for, for like forty minutes, the signs were massively encouraging. I, yeah. On it, like I said, I'll repeat it, but honestly, I thought it was like one of the best I've seen QPR play for yeah. that forty minutes. Lynn and Dykes played very well too. I thought. He, yeah, yeah. Shout good. out to Dykes because you know he's coming for a bit of stick lately, yeah. but I thought he did his job really well. Kind of what you wanted from him, isn't it? Scored the goal obviously as well to kind of go with it, which always takes the pressure off a bit. But you know, he put himself about and kind of caused problems, which it's kind of frustrating, isn't it? Because it's like the kind of sums up the QPR team as a whole as well. But it's like, kind of, you know what he can do. You know what he's capable of. He's done it before. And it's like, mm. when he doesn't do it, that's what makes it all the more frustrating, I think. Yeah. And I think it comes down to coaching as well. You know, he's a late starter, really, in his career, Dykes. And, you know, Bill obviously is a very good coach. His track record speaks for itself. So, and he likes to departmentalise his coaches. So, you know, defenders, midfielders, strikers, and yeah. he works with the strikers. So, Mm. You know, if he can, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what Dykes improves on and gets better at. And I thought his comments are quite interesting afterwards that maybe he worked too hard. Mm. 
for the team to his detriment, which um, was quite interesting. That oh, it doesn't almost saying like he doesn't get in the box enough. Yeah, you know, it's like Kev always says, it's like between the goalposts and it, you can score yeah. goals. He doesn't always do that, I guess, because all these yeah. goals come from between those goalposts, don't they? They're always, yeah. you know, yeah, that's, that's the way he scores. So, mm. so, but, um, but but you know, his, his defensive work was unheralded, really. You know, winning crucial headers on that and. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was a great day, Saturday. Really good day. And, you know, and I yeah, I think there's a lot to be encouraged by the QPR fan from that game. You know, this Rangers are still a good side and they can match it with all teams in the division on their day. And, you know, but it's just that, that availability when everyone's fit and playing. You know, they can match anyone. It's just about getting everyone fit and playing. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, that kind of brings us on that nicely to our... Next seg- segment with obviously a bit of transfer update that like I said earlier um, has been a, a little development. Beal obviously told you after the game, Ian, that uh, the club were close to bringing in a right back on loan. Uh, in fact, let's just see what he had to say now. I mean, you, I mean, I know you've been talking about getting a right back in. Is that sort of? Um, that's not going to go. Aussie, obviously, but just a bit. If you talked about it last week, is that sort of any, any closer to happening? Yeah, it is closer to happening. Like this, been it's been on and off in terms of the, the, the key um, ones that we want. Um, it's probably going to be a loan that we're bringing in. Um, so obviously the Premier League clubs need to have their house in order and the, the weekend, obviously the Premier League starts and then I think that opens up one or two loan opportunities. We've highlighted the players that we want um, or the specific player and I think he's quite an exciting player and when he does arrive he will add competition for Aussie. Brought Ozzy off tonight because obviously we can't risk him, um, and I think Ozzy's done well the, the last couple of games. I think he's come back out of the games with a lot of credit. But if anything happened to Ozzy, we would be down to the young players. Aaron Drews had a good pre-season. I'm not sure if he's quite ready right now to to compete for the shirt. Just what for last month? The players talking about the lonely coming in. Is that likely to happen before the weekend? It would have done, but I think it, it's not now. Yeah, so we believe the right-back he is talking about to be Dujon Sterling of Chelsea. Um, but whether that actually happens or not, obviously remains to be seen. No guarantees, you know, how these things go. Obviously, that doesn't always happen. But, um, I mean, Sterling, obviously, you know, I got a tweet the other day saying, oh, don't mention Blackpool, but I promise you this this is relevant to the to the conversation. Obviously, Dujon Sterling was online at Blackpool last year, so I saw a bit more of him than... You know, I otherwise would. And I thought he had, he had like a steady season. Um, I think the big thing with him is like he had like a bad illness. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but he missed a lot of time. And then he's had like a lot of injury problems as well. Like he's really highly rated as a young player. And then I think last season was almost like him kind of getting back on track. He sort of sh- shared the minutes at right back with our other right back, Jordan Gabriel. So he didn't play like loads and loads of games. But I thought he was steady when he played. I think defensively he's good. Um, but for me, there's still like a little bit to work on going forward. I think he's still got to kind of develop that side of the game, which when you think about what Beal asks uh, of his fullbacks, I think that is something that he's going to have to work on. But I think Beal kind of relishes that challenge of bringing a young player in who's not put it all together yet and kind of helping them progress and get along. So if he is someone to come in, I think he does obviously fulfil a massive need because there's no right-back competition for Osman Kakai. But if he does come in, I feel like he might kind of share those minutes of right back with Kakai just because of like the injury problems and stuff he has. Um, but I, I, I think it would make sense as a signing. Like I said, I just 
think there's a little bit more to do for him in terms of going forward and attacking the opposition box. I think there's still a way for him to grow there. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously Mick Beal as well, uh, Ian did that interview kind of last week where he was reiterating the kind of messages we've heard before from the club about the importance of financial fair play and how difficult it is to stay within those rules. Um, and it kind of provoked a bit of a reaction from fans, I suppose. You know, like I said, it was nothing really new that we've heard, but I guess the new manager coming in and saying that, um, kind of, you know, fans want to see signings, don't they? Mm. And him kind of saying that <clears throat> they might do one and then they might have to get some players out to bring more players in and, you know, to kind of get behind the players that are already at the club, get behind the forwards specifically that are already here because that might be the ones they've got for the rest of the year. Is there like, are they right to kind of be a bit concerned by that? Or, you know, do you feel like those comments, um, you know, oh, I mean, it's, it's concern obviously because they kind of need more depth, I suppose. Is that is that a fair concern or do you think that he was kind of right with what he said? I think it's always concern. I mean, I mean, Rangers have signed players this summer. It's not like they haven't signed anyone. Um, and I think we're in a situation... I mean, with the Dijon Sterling thing, I will say just sorry to. Yeah, yeah, go on. We will go. I mean, the issue is why he's not in the building in a minute is that um, Mick Beal is very keen. He doesn't want to be loaning other players to develop players for other yeah, clubs. Yeah, he said that before, didn't he? I he think wants he wants to, play, to like, he, loan them to buy them. He wants players to um, come to QPR and be QPR players. Yeah. And if it's a loan with, with a kind of clause that we have the option to buy them at the end of the loan that is the case with um tyler riches and tyler roberts where they will be twister where they will be qpr players at the end of the start of next season if all goes to plan that is there is a, a particularly with brighton there's a clause in the contract that qpr are kind of almost it's compulsed to buy him that's part of the agreement that right have him on loan you buy him at the end of the loan so money has been spent and sort of put aside for that. Um, I mean, the whole thing with short, um, Danny McNamara at Millwall, you know, there's lots of teeth gnashing about well, Millwall won't sell. Millwall are not going to sell at QPR. Simple as that. And if they do, they want like 1.5, 1.2, 1.5 million pound for him for a player that will walk away for free at the end of the season. I mean, that's financial madness. If you're going to go out and spend money on a player you can get for free, in 10 months and at the end of the day we're not talking about trent alexander arnold here he's danny mcnamara a player who plays for Millwall. who yeah he looks okay but should you be putting yourself in a position where you spend 1.3 million pounds on a player or whatever it is and then you realize that he's jake bidwell mm. and then you're back in a position where you were four years ago and you're pushing the ffp cap and you've got potential for points being taken away all that kind of thing all this has to be weighed up so I suppose the thing is, it's like obviously Macaulay Bond and Linden. I know they're strikers, so it's difficult to compare because strikers are naturally going to be more expensive. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, the QPR have, have spent money on players in the mm -hmm. last couple of years. I suppose yeah, for that's a club that's more likely got no money, they always find someone. They always sign players. So yeah, and QPR fans, oh, we're not signing. Well, QPR always sign players. We'll be signing. Yes, QPR. Oh, that's what QPR do. They sign players. <laughs> no, throwing back oh, to that Harry Redknapp deadline day, bringing in loads of strikers. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to be like the days when we're you know, <laughs> running around like confetti, but it's, you know, QB are always fun players. There'll be someone that will come in. Um, but I, I admire the fact that, that, that Bill was like, well, I don't want 
to be just developing Aston Villa's youngsters for Aston Villa. I want them to come to QPR and be QPR players that can be QPR assets to sell on in the future. Yeah, well, that was um, one of the big things about this changing kind of strategy, I guess, which obviously, yeah. like we said, the results were what contributed mostly to Warburton's exit. But that, that was a part yeah. of it as well, wasn't it? This idea that, you know, they're trying to develop players for the future and, and all that side of it as well. So it kind of makes sense that they're doing that. But yeah, I mean, Dujon Sterling, obviously, I think, it would be nice to get someone in permanent, but you know, maybe that maybe they can. Like I said, obviously, he's keen on doing that. So if they do loan him in with an yeah. option to a permanent move, certainly, I think, given how highly rated he was when he was younger and he's had a couple of setbacks, certainly there is a lot to develop there. And I think if Beal can get him playing regularly, regularly, um, then it makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? It's like give you know, they're given that they spent money before. I guess people just want to see money spent again on a position that is kind of needed, but. You obviously think it's, I guess, because they kind of had a go, didn't they? QPR by their standards under Warburton when they brought in mm. Johansson, Austin. Yeah. Which I think, I, you know, people look back and say, well, you know, was it the right move? I, they had to do it because of how well they ended the last season. Absolutely. If they didn't do it, they would have been, everyone would have been like, well, why are we not having a go? Because we've just been one of the best sides in the championship for the second half of the season. Yeah. And, you know, it, all right, it didn't come off in the end. And now they're in a sticky patch again with financial fair play. It's not like they're going to definitely go over it. So, and I think as well, you have to look at it progressionally. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm, well, I'm going to say, it. well, Brentford, it, it took Brentford four years of knocking on the door before they actually got into the playoffs. Mm. So, QBR knocked on the door of the playoffs all last season and fell away due to injuries and etc. So, you know, worrying about what's going to happen in August. Oh, the season's going to be over. There's a long, long way to go. And the signs, from what I can see, are encouraging. There are plenty of good players in that squad that can, you know, be knocking on the door of the player full season. And really, that's what you need. And what he has said that, it's what you need to do is where you are in March. Let's look at March. If you can be eight, nine, two or three points outside of the top six in, in March, you're you're on track to have a, a crack. I mean, look at Luton mm. last year. I mean, that game of keep I'll beat Luton 2-0 on a Friday. Nathan Jones was getting, you know, asked, is, is, is this crisis time for your team? <laughs> that was ridiculous. And <laughs> that, that finishing the playoffs. It's all, <laughs> that was ridiculous. I couldn't believe we got asked that. I was thinking, what a job. I know, I, now I know Nathan Jones isn't the most popular guy, but I think, what a job he's doing there and he's getting asked about, is it a crisis? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, 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 and this is the world we live in when it comes to, you know, modern day football and, you know, every result is a disaster and every win is a, you know, we're going to get promoted. It's sort of, I mean, most Something, teams that make the playoffs it, lose quite a lot of games, don't they? Still, you don't have to be like yeah. mega, mega good to get in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, look at Forest; they lost whatever it was. Just about hanging in there, hanging in there. If you hang in there, and you know, don't disgrace yourself. I mean, the games mm. they've lost this season, they haven't disgraced themselves. The game of Blackburn, there wasn't much in it. Another guy who scored from twenty-five yards top yeah. corner, you lose the game. But you know, they got a very, very. It's been a tough start of the season as well. Some tough games. I mean, Sunderland on Saturday will be a tough game. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll come on to that as well in a minute. But yeah, I mean, just like finally on the transfer stuff, like I think you kind of touched on it already. They need more depth for right back and a left back. For me, that's massive. Like, I don't know, the left back kind of hasn't really been spoken about as much. Need, you know, it's kind of been focused right back, right back, given that Osman Kakai yeah. is the only one. So, but, you know, are they, are they going to do the rest of the season with Hamelanen as a backup? Is that, is that I, I don't see how they can. I don't see how they can. I really don't. I just so they need two fullbacks. You think 
a right back and then a yeah, back or someone that can play both. Yeah, you know, someone that can play both sides. That's what you need. I mean, I don't yeah. have. I you've seen a lot more Dujonson than I have. I I haven't seen really. I don't know much about him. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he had a bit of a stop-start year because he was—he had a few like in a couple of injury issues, and he was in and out a bit. I don't know how many games he played. I think it was not like thirty or something like that. So it wasn't like loads and loads and loads. Yeah, maybe and, a bit less actually. But and as I say, like Osman Kakai isn't the answer long term, but Osman Kakai can, in cricket terms, hold an end up, do a job in a back four on a right. You know, he'll he'll make mistakes. He will, but he. He's okay. He's solid enough. Mm. But you, you, you know, you need you need two fullbacks. You need depth in that position. It's now such an important part in modern day football. You fullbacks. Yeah, especially the way Beal wants to yeah, play and what we've seen him so far. You know, but Mohamed Line last night he was timid. As I said before, he's timid. Didn't want the ball. Doesn't. You know, I mean, a prime example. He, he came when he came off the bench on on Saturday and. Senny Ying had the ball in his hand. He went and stood right behind the Middlesbrough Middlesbrough striker, mm. so you wouldn't have to get the, so you wouldn't have to receive the ball. You know, you think you're a professional footballer. How are you doing this? How are you getting away with this? This is really not good. Yeah, I thought defensively done all right. He had a couple of decent headed clearances, but I, I, I I'm with you. I'm, I quite question whether you can go into the rest of the season with Hamelan as your backup left back. I think. Um, you know, we've said this before, but I think they need a definitely a right back, which certainly Sterling looks like that could be him. I think the QPR fans kind of expecting Sterling to come in and be, you know, exactly what they need in the fullback of the future. I, I would urge a bit of caution. I don't think he's quite yet there. Yet. I think he needs a bit more time, but um, certainly left back as well. Anywhere else do you think they need? I mean, strikers is a big one, isn't it? Always talking about strikers. Dykes, you know, performance on Saturday. It all depends on Dykes, I think. Yeah. It's like Dykes plays well and it's kind of like, oh, do we need one? But I suppose it depends what happens with Macaulay Bond as well. Like, is he going to go? Is he going to yeah. stay? Well, I think, think Armstrong's giving you the options of the bench now. I think, yeah. you know, again, his fitness and youth is... He gets injured a lot, doesn't he? Apparently, trained, Beal said after Saturday, like, trains up really hard. Like, trains yeah. really intensely, which is to his positive and his detriment, I suppose. Well, he, he, I mean, last night, he was so enthusiastic. He, he almost collided, he collided into a staircase. <laughs> sort of, sort of right of the way and just as if you didn't chase down a lost cause it's great to see yeah. and the crowd are really really taken to him already it's you know he's, he's a hard he's, he's a player who's difficult to dislike what you're seeing for the minute just because of that enthusiasm and um and desire which is you know from a, from a young player it's, it's exciting to see um I think centre-back could be a sneaky a need as well I mean Clark oh, really? in one game one injury it's kind of we don't know how long he's out for. You know, you you you've got Jimmy Dunn and um Rob Dickey who were were good last night at Charlton and then I guess you've got Connor Moss and after that, I mean do they need someone else just to got Joe Gubbins kind of knocking yeah. on the door a bit as well. I, I don't think he's ready yeah. this level. I don't he, he I don't think he's you know, what's he played at? What levels he played at? Sort of Southern League level on loan for Oxford City, is that Conference. Yeah, he was uh, on loan. At, I think he played National League. I think he was on loan at South End, wasn't he? Sorry, National, National League. League. So, so yeah, decent standard, you know. But like yeah. I say, he's very young, yeah. so he's still got a long way to go. I suppose you wouldn't want to just so, put him in if he's not ready. So, but I mean, fullbacks. We've been saying it for two years. It's a pressing need, and yeah, I still think they need. They could do with about four additions to the squad, mm. and with some departures. Obviously, I'm not saying add four and don't get rid of anyone. I think there needs to be a couple of players who maybe time at QPR probably come to a natural end and could do with moving on. 
So it's still a lot of work to do, I think. But mm. I, I feel like I don't think it'll get all done this window. I think no, no, it's, no. it's a bit of a cliche, but this word, but I'm going to use it anyway. This kind of like transition that they're in at the moment. I think this season might be a bit of inconsistency, kind of building the team that Beal wants and then maybe hopefully all being well next year is when they kind of put it all together a bit more in terms of like the squad he wants. Because um, it's quite hard to get everything done in one window when a new manager comes, is, isn't it? It's like a lot yeah. of the players there, obviously Mark Warburton signed. He's only signed, what, four of his own yeah. actual players. I'm sure he likes a lot of the players that are there anyway. They probably they do seem like kind of his players, but I do think it'll take a bit of time to kind of get what he wants. Um, all right, we'll move on to our preview bit then. Obviously, you mentioned Sunderland away on Saturday. I think you're heading up there, aren't you? Oh, I am. Both <laughs> in the M1 and the A1. <laughs> yeah, it's well, not a short journey, is it? One of the world's longest journeys. But worse. Yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll be worthwhile. Um, but that said, yeah, travel to Sunderland. This up Bill could be about a few key players. Kenneth Powell, Taylor Richards, Chris Willock, Luke Amos and Jake Clark. So will remain to be seen whether any of those actually come back. But certainly the signs are that they could certainly miss out. Um, Sunderland made a good start. So back to life in the championship, got promoted from League One last season. Um, drew 1-1 with Coventry on the opening day. And then they beat Bristol City 3-2 last time out. New loan signing, Ellis Sims getting on the score sheet twice. Um, two sides obviously had that Carabao Cup game, didn't they, last year? With the controversial offside decision. Um, in it. And obviously, Sunderland ended up knocking QPR out on penalties. Um, but, I mean, what are your thoughts on this one, Ian? Is, it's kind of got the makings of a typical, stereotypical, tough championship game, isn't it? Newly promoted side going to the northeast. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be difficult. It will be... Um... I mean, I saw as a good win for them at Bristol City. Although, you know, Bristol City, I'm not sure how good they are. Um, I lost twice. I, I think, saw them again. I saw a bit of their game against Coventry, and Coventry were great, but real good value for their their point. They they played them off the park in the second half. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be hard. A big crowd. It's you know they're they're very up for it up there. Their team. They've sort of got their their football club back. There's a feeling. Amongst the fans up there, and it'll be here. We are. It'll be hard, but there's there's no reason why Rangers can't go out there and get something. Um, I mean, it all depends on availability, doesn't it? What sort of team starts and mm. and who's not. So it's that's the worrying thing, isn't it? It's like, like I said before, the injuries are already racking up. Yeah, they do. They do have a big impact when you've um, got key players missing. So yeah, we shall see. We shall see. But I mean, you know, just got to go out there, be strong, be physical. You grind out, come away with a point. You've done well. Is that your prediction? You're going for a yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go for a. I'm gonna go for a nil-nil draw. Oh, you say so you're predicting that you're gonna drive all the way to Sunderland for a nil-nil yeah, draw. Yeah, yeah. That's proper optimism. That is. You know what they say? <laughs> a, a pessimist is never disappointed. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. If you expect to be disappointed, then you uh, then you won't be. <laughs> but yeah, I know. I don't, it's gonna be tough. Like, see, Ellis Sims is coming. From Everton, I'm going to mention Blackpool again. He had a great loan spell second half of the season when we got promoted from League One. He was a really good player, and I think, you know, given what happened to Everton with Dominic Calvert-Lewin getting injured, I don't think he'd have been allowed to go out on loan had that happened before Ellis Simmons was allowed to leave. So I think he probably would have been starting for Everton on Saturday against Chelsea. To be honest, he's a really good player. Scored twice in his debut. He's going to be a real handful, I think, for the centre backs. They've got. Quite a good thing going forward with Pritchard in that kind of number ten role, who 
he's done pretty well again so far. It's kind of mad to think he was playing in League One for so long. I think he's a better player than that in behind the two strikers, Sims and Ross Stewart. Both kind of a similar mould. I think Sims is a bit more mobile, but both Stewart and Sims are very big, kind of more old-fashioned strikers, I guess, um, who kind of thrive on balls into the box, which, you know, I think Dickie and Dunn going to have their work cut out with that. So, I don't know. I don't want to predict the loss for you, Ian, but I think I might have to. I just fancy Sunderland for this one. I don't know why. I just think the kind of bounce they've got from coming back to the Championship have had a good start to life, maybe like 2-1. And I just think the injuries will play a part as well. I think had the, the injury problems that they've got not been an issue, I, I would have probably predicted QPR to get a point. But I just think with the injuries, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to get anything, unfortunately. But I hope for your sake that I'm wrong, mate. I really do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, thank you for listening to us. As I say, this podcast is going to be going up on streaming platforms every time from now on. So please do follow our feed to keep updated and yeah we'll be back again very soon with another episode so thanks for listening